The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Providing insight and resources for your spiritual journey. Unity Online Radio. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Main Street Vegan with hosts Victoria and Adair Moran. Victoria is an author, inspirational speaker, and a certified holistic health counselor and vegan lifestyle coach. She's here with her daughter Adair, a lifelong vegan and an actress, a playwright, and a stunt performer to entertain, educate, and inspire you on your journey to look and feel amazing, eat extraordinary food, help animals, and create a physical body perfectly attuned to spiritual growth. Now let's get this party started. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey everybody, welcome to Main Street Vegan. I'm Victoria Moran. And I'm Adair Moran. And we are here to talk about eating veggies, loving animals, and having a really blissful life. I'm not feeling so blissful right this morning. Yeah, I know. You don't look so great. I know. I I believe that I have what they used to always say, the rock star suffering from exhaustion, except that I'm not a rock star. I thought if you were a rock star, you could get exhaustion, and that was just sort of an anti-perk for all the great things you got. But when you're just a person and you're traveling around so much that you get this, it's kind of not fair. Yeah, unfortunately, vegans do still get colds and stuff. I wish that wasn't the case. And sometimes people think we're not allowed or like if we don't feel fabulous, it means it's that we don't get enough protein. I think in my case, it's just not getting enough sleep. I'll do it. Yes. Well, onward and upward. I, I am traveling a lot. The recent trip, I think the strip, the, the kind of straw that broke the camel's back, which is not a very vegan analogy. Have you noticed how many unanimal flattering oh, yeah, words like, and phrases? Oh, yeah, like kill two birds with one stone. Yes. But there's no other phrase that means that, so I don't know what else to say. I think somebody tried to come up with something like cook two carrots in one pot. Yeah, but that just sounds lame. I <laughs> <laughs> probably does. But I I went yesterday to Atlantic City um, for the American Vegan Society autumn dinner that's part of Atlantic Cape Community College 
which has a culinary arts program. And they actually have a vegan component in the culinary arts program. And the only reason they have it is that Freya Dinshaw, who's the co-founder and president of the American Vegan Society, just asked. I love the power of asking. She was there once and saw that they do these periodic dinners in their lovely restaurant prepared by the chef students. And she said, what would you think about one day doing a vegan dinner? And it all grew from that. So last night... It was this beautiful, beautiful evening where they started out with a, a mushroom creviche. Creviche, do you know? Oh, I have no idea what C-R-E-V-I-C-H-E. this is. C-R-E-V-I-C-H-E. It's a kind of fish thing in, in the meat-eating world. Uh, it was really, really good. Then there was a spicy cauliflower soup, a beautiful salad of frise and other lovely greens with um candied wheat berries and and gourmet touches. The main dish was a lovely pastry shell. What's that Greek pastry you use? Filo. Filo. Oh, I love filo. Well, it was a filo shell with a wonderful green center, almost like a spanakopita, but but vegan, and, and some lentils on the side and a beautiful pear tart for dessert. And what was so cool was that of all the people in that room, probably 20% were committed full-time vegans, and the others were just there for culinary experience, which is telling me that we are getting mainstream. It's very cool. So um, I need to get to your place before I leave on Saturday for my next trip. I'm going to Chicago for Chicago Vegan Mania that's happening on September 29th. If anybody is near the Windy, Windy City, check out Chicago Vegan Mania. I'm going to be one of the speakers. But before that, I want to go to your place because you have babies. I do. I have uh, I have Mary and Arena, the, the young pigeons who I am fostering for the Wild Bird Fund. And uh, they are almost ready to leave. They need just, uh, just a couple more days. And I think they'll be ready for a soft release. Oh, did you give them those names? No, actually, a wild bird fund. If the people don't name the birds, they name them after the people who brought them in. Oh, that's nice. So if if Mary or Arena are listening, your birds are in good hands. Cool. So answer the eternal question of the ages. Why are squirrels never, and why are pigeons never babies? They are babies, but they are almost full grown when they leave the nest. And so the ones that I have, I mean, they look like the pigeons that you see on the street, but the younger one still needs a little help feeding herself. So they, they are still babies. You see baby pigeons much more often than you think. Oh, that is so sweet. Now, I said squirrels because that was a Freudian slip, but also I think you're going to be having some squirrels as well. Well, I won't be having squirrels at my house because my dog, Tala, would uh, make it her life's mission to eat those squirrels. But I did feed some baby squirrels when I was volunteering at the Wild Bird Fund, and it was just the highlight of my month. It was the best thing ever. What do they eat when they're babies? Uh, they have some formula. Then you have a syringe with a little nipple on the end, and they um, they, they kind of look like tiny, tiny newborn kittens. And you hold them, and you, and you squeeze the formula, and they just get so happy. They grab the syringe with their little feet. Oh. They're just so cute, and they have the instinct to climb. So as soon as you pick them up, they want to climb on you. Oh, that does they're, sound like they're just kittens. adorable. That's, yeah. that's very, very sweet. I remember when we had 
our friend from Tibet who was able to emigrate to the States and she stayed with us in Kansas City for a while and she just kept talking about those adorable little animals. What are those little animals? Because they don't have squirrels in Tibet. They're so special. They're awfully cute. Well, it's, it's good to appreciate all life around us. I wanted to talk a little bit today before we get into our questions that have come in online, a little bit about Ayurveda, because in my state of feeling just exhausted and puny and not really a great example of, of super vegan radiant health, a little bit about Ayurvedic healthcare. Because whenever I get to this sort of exhausted place, which usually happens about four months into having written a new book, because that means I've been traveling all over the place, and I start to feel puny, I pull out Perfect Health by Deepak Chopra, which is a layperson's understanding of Ayurveda, which is a 4,000-year-old Indian healing system. And it helps me so much because it talks about daily routine and the importance, especially for people of, of certain body types, the one that I have, but really for everybody, of kind of doing things in the same way at the same time to an extent, not being boring and awful, but just letting your body know that at a certain time you're going to get up. And at a certain time, you're going to eat and meditate and exercise and work and rest and do all those basic things that I haven't been doing. And I think I would feel a lot better if I had. What do you think about that? Um, I don't know. I uh, I think anybody who travels as much as you travel is bound to uh, start feeling kind of down eventually because traveling is rough. It's hard on the body, jet lag and flights and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it, it's pretty, pretty difficult. And one of the things that Ayurveda talks about is staying hydrated and drinking like warm teas. They're very big on licorice tea and ginger tea. So that's something that I want to start doing a little more of. And also um, massage in the morning, a self-massage with sesame oil. That's sounding really good right now. So that's what I'm looking forward to. And we have some questions that have come in that I just wanted to run by you and I'll give my opinion on. Somebody wants to know how it is that you can be vegan and hold down a job without people making comments. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that people generally notice what I bring for lunch or anything like that. And if people make comments, I, I don't have a problem with that. As long as they're not rude or mean comments. Yeah, that's my feeling. I think some people are, are in an um, atmosphere at their jobs that is sort of like middle school, where people are digging at one another and making little pokes and things. I'm almost saying, well, do you have to work there? Well, it's also, I mean, and I've, I've mentioned this before because it's a pet peeve of mine. Some new vegans get very kind of holier than thou, very, look at me, I'm vegan, I'm, I'm doing this great thing, and everyone should be doing this great thing. And I don't know, I think that gets kind of annoying, and it makes people sort of make fun of you if you're going to be really fanatical like that. Yeah. But I think if you're just a normal vegan, like, I know, um, I think one of the best things you can do as a vegan is just, like, bring really good-looking lunches to work. I once had somebody at one of my jobs say, like, well, I never thought I could be vegan, but your lunches always look really good. Yeah, well, it's sort of like last night at this dinner. It, it's kind of a conversion via cuisine. 
It's a really great way to do it. Oh, and if anybody's interested in being converted or not, you can talk to us. Give us a call at 888-558-6489. And we're here to talk to you about anything that has to do with going veg. Oh, by the way, if you're in the New York City area and you're interested in this topic, I am doing an absolutely free community service workshop on Friday, October 5th, 2 hours, 7 p.m., with the good people of the Integral Yoga Institute. That's on 13th Street between 7th and 8th Avenues. You can just show up there at 11 o'clock on, at uh, 7 o'clock on October 5th, or you can give a call to the folks at Integral Yoga. You can find out more at their website, which is iyiny.org. I-Y-I-N-Y, that stands for Integral Yoga Institute, New York.org. Would love to meet you here in the Big Apple. You were going to say something. Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. I'm sure it wasn't important. That's supposed to happen when you're my age, not your age. Just make a note. Well, I think we were talking about something else before. And, and we were. I just inserted a parenthetical. All right. I tend to do that. Okay. We have another question. Oh, this is the eternal question of love, romance, and being vegan. I am vegan. My husband has no interest. What should I do? Um... I mean, I, I don't think you can force someone else to be vegan. I think uh, I think you both have to live your lives, and you can always cook a vegan meal and tell him he is welcome to toss some cheese or some meat on there if he wants it. But you know, when you're cooking, you're cooking food that you want to eat, and uh, and I don't know, maybe he'll see you eating enough good, delicious food. He'll come around. I think a lot of it is just being really accepting and kind. You know, it's one thing if you were vegan all along and you married somebody with the idea that you're going to change him or change her. That's actually, that's kind of manipulative. But I think that if you meet someone and you get married and you decide that you're going to make this change, I mean, we're talking here about diet, but it could be any kind of change, you know, any kind of major way in which you see the world I think it's really important to give that other person a whole lot of slack because they didn't volunteer. I mean, if I was married to somebody and he decided to join a very strict religious cult and we had to follow all these rituals and all these rules, I would be like, hey, wait a minute, that wasn't what I signed up for. So I think if you can just look at it that way with with your husband and that this is important to you, this is close to your heart, and I know that you want him to do it, if, if for no other reason, for his own health, and so he'll be be around longer and, and, and have a healthier life and all that. But sometimes you just have to be real easygoing about things. Well, and I think you might be able to strike a compromise, too. Like, maybe you can agree to not have meat in the house, but he can order meat when you go out to restaurants, or, you know, he can get meat for lunch at his job. But maybe you want to keep your home a meat-free environment and see if he'd be up for that. Yeah, I think a lot of couples do that. I was talking to a lovely woman in Pennsylvania at a conference about a month ago who said that for years of their marriage, it was just that the home was vegan. When he was out, he ate whatever he wanted. She was a really good cook, so it wasn't like he was starving to death at home or anything. But over time, just because she had these magazines lying around (laughs) and things like that, he just kind of came over, and I think what really, in, in his case, helped 
was he was pretty close to vegetarian, but he was still doing a lot of cheese and eggs and that kind of thing. And he went to the doctor, and it's kind of the fateful doctor visit that depending on your genes, it seems to happen to people in this country when they're around 40 or 50 or 60, but it's almost inevitable that it's going to come, the fatal doctor visit where you're told your blood sugar is up, your cholesterol is up, your blood pressure is up. And sometimes it's a triple whammy. It's all three in one visit. You've never been told any of that stuff before. And that was what happened to him. And then he said, okay, we're going to do this all the time. Or even if he's in perfect health, um, take a vacation to one of the farm sanctuaries. They have them all over the country. And, you know, you meet these cows and these pigs and you hear the stories of just the horrible, horrible stuff that happened to them before they got rescued by these great organizations. And I think it kind of personalizes your meat. You know, I think it would be hard to look at a hamburger without thinking of my personal favorite at Farm Sanctuary, Larry, the great big bull. Oh, Larry. Who was sweet and gave me a hug. But um, I, I think that that just makes the meat less appealing. Yeah, I, I think so. You're, you're right. Put it, putting a face on it. Well, our, our next question you're really going to like. This comes from Jessica, and Jessica is out in Ohio. Hey, Jessica. Jessica says, I am 12 years old, and Adair is my idol because she grew up vegan, and I made myself vegan last year. So I have 11 years of meat eating to make up for. I want to be a full-time vegan for the rest of my life. What ideas do you have for helping me do this? Wow, I'm an idol. Yes. I don't know. Um, An American idol. Because I don't know. uh, She didn't mention if uh, if her family is vegan or not, right? No, she didn't. But she said, I made myself vegan, so the implication would not be... Mom and dad led me down the road. Well, I would hope that mom and dad are at least supportive. Because you do hear a lot now about kids deciding to be vegan. Mm -hmm. You know, they meet a cow or a pig, like I just mentioned, or something clicks. And they say, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. And um, and it's certainly easier if the parents are willing to, you know, learn to cook some vegan food, shop for stuff that the kid likes. Well, Jessica... We're just wishing you a great life, great parents, trusting you already have those, and that you stick with a whole foods plant-based diet so you'll be really healthy for the rest of your life. God bless you. All is well. We're going to be back after this break with our wonderful guests coming up. Stay with us for more Main Street Vegan on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. like to take a moment to encourage you as part of our unity online radio family of listeners to support this ministry through a love offering for your convenience you can make one-time or recurring monthly donations go to www.unity.fm and click on donate now thank you for your support Daily Word, inspiration, and practical teachings to help people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts, and my mind continually receives messages from my body. 
especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com. Unity Online Radio is turning five this year, and we're throwing the biggest bash of all. A cruise to the Caribbean, November 10th through 17th, 2012. We'll celebrate in style aboard Holland American Line's Eurodam, with sunshine, fine dining, and a selection of island excursions at beautiful ports of call in the Eastern Caribbean. Plus, feed your spirit with music, message, and meditation. Your favorite host will be there. And we hope you join us, too, as we celebrate five years of spiritual programming at Unity Online Radio. For more information, go to www.unity.fm slash cruise. listening to Main Street Vegan with Victoria and Adair Moran. If you have questions or comments about today's topic or any other area of interest, we invite you to follow Victoria Moran on Twitter or email her at MainStreetVegan at UnityOnlineRadio.org. Now, back to Main Street Vegan. This is Victoria Moran. And this is Adair Moran. And we are the Main Street Vegan team here on Unity Online Radio. Just wanting to finish up with that last question. I know, Jessica, you're out in Ohio, but for anybody in the New York City area, there is a fabulous organization called New York Coalition for Healthy School Food. And they actually have information that they can provide to any parents, students, or school districts around the country. And they're having their annual benefit here in New York City on October 10th. So anybody who's interested in that, you can check out nychsf.org. All those letters stand for New York Coalition Healthy School Food, nychsf.org. O-R-G. I'm going to be there on the 10th and would love to talk to any students, parents, or educators about feeding our kids better food. So we are going to bring on someone who's just into feeding everybody better food. And this is Jill Nussanow, the veggie queen. She is a registered dietitian, culinary educator, freelance writer, and cookbook author who's been teaching people the joy of eating a vegetarian and vegan diet since 1986. Her books are The Veggie Queen, Vegetables Get the Royal Treatment, and The New Fast Food, The Veggie Queen Pressure Cooks Whole Food Meals in Less Than 30 Minutes. 
For the past 10 years, she's been teaching the McDougal program in Santa Rosa, California, where she lives. Hey there, Jill. Hello, Victoria. Thank you for having me. Well, it is wonderful, wonderful to have you. I have never pressure cooked anything. Adair, have you ever pressure cooked anything? I have not. No, we, we are about slow cooker speed, and I guess that speed is slow. So how did you discover the pressure cooker? Well, actually, um, there's a woman in New York, Lorna Sass, who kind of started a pressure cooker resurgence in the late 1980s. And um, I had heard about this because I knew someone. I was living in California, and she was saying, oh, yeah, you know, this woman is writing this book on pressure cooking. And my mother had a pressure cooker, which terrified me. And I was a vegetarian, and I ate a lot of beans, and I wanted to learn how to cook them. So I got really excited. I was like, oh, I'm going to get a pressure cooker. And I did, and I was still scared, and I returned it. Um, It took me another number of years before I was like, I've got to get one of those. I just couldn't stand any more long-time bean cooking. And so I got a pressure cooker and started using it. Wow. Well, for people whose mothers didn't have one, in a second I want you to tell us exactly what one is and its place in the vegan kitchen. Before we do that, I do want to let listeners know that Jill has offered to give away a copy of her book, The New Fast Food, to the first person who calls us at 888-558-6489. So if you would like to get a copy of The New Fast Food, call in, say hey. So, Jill, okay, for those of us whose mothers were working in the 60s, what is a pressure cooker and what does it do and why is it scary? Well, it's basically, it's a pot, just like a regular sauce pot, and it has a special lid on it. And the old special lids had this little jiggle thing on it that when the pot was going, I'll explain what it does, but here's what it would do. It would go... And the thing would shake and rattle, and that's you know pretty scary when you're not when you're a little kid. You're hearing that, and you're like, "Oh, what's that?" You know, because it sounds like it's going to blow up. It sounds like a bad washing machine or something, but with steam hissing out of it. So it's hot, it's heavy, scary. Well, what happens in a pressure cooker is that you put liquid in, and the liquid boils, hits the top of the pot, and causes the pressure to build up. So instead of cooking at 212 degrees, you're cooking at 250. And so it's very hot. But the new pressure cookers since the 1980s, there's a new kind that just has a little thing that pops up and it's very quiet. So you're cooking fast and hot and the food comes out amazingly delicious. Yum. Yeah. So Jill, you're you're a registered dietitian. So yeah. why are you teaching cooking instead of counseling people about nutrition? <laughs> well, it didn't take. I I did counsel people about nutrition for about ten years, um, and at the same time, I also started teaching cooking. You know, talking about nutrients 
does not get people really excited. Like I'd start saying, oh, you need 800, you know, milligrams of, you know, folic acid or micrograms or whatever, and people like look at me glazed eyed, and I'd be like, okay, that's not working. You know, you need to eat more beans and molasses so you can get your, you know, 12 milligrams of iron a day, and people would be like, ugh. You know, but then I realized if I talked food, people would get what I was talking about. So I wasn't a dietitian very long before I started teaching cooking, urged on by someone who was a marketing guy who said to me, well, what else can you do? And I said, I can teach cooking. Now, I had never taught a cooking class, which was kind of interesting. I just kind of figured I could. Um, I had a client. I was in Los Angeles, and she lived in Santa Monica. And I said to her, hey, could you make invite, like, you know, five of your friends over because I'm going to do a cooking class. And she did, and that was my first cooking class. And then I went on and taught that class in a school, uh, which was kind of funny because it was 1986, and I taught a vegan class. Didn't call it that, of course, um, but it was pretty funny. I still would have trouble selling that class today. <laughs> I cooked tempeh of all things. Oh. Pretty wild. So it, for it people is. who are very new at this, do you have like one one single tip that you give people for improving their diet and their health? Eat more vegetables. <laughs> that's a good one. I mean, that you know, the thing that's so interesting is I see it doesn't matter whether you're vegetarian, vegan, or omnivore, most people do not eat enough vegetables. And, and I think that's something that almost everybody can do. And how do you help them get the vegetables in the diet? I mean, like you say, I know lots of vegetarians and vegans who really eat a lot more grains and starches than they do vegetables. Well, I think you have to make the vegetables kind of interesting, exciting, and taste good. You know, that's what people really want. And I think the other thing is people need to learn a lot about vegetables in season. So the vegetables that taste best are the ones that are really fresh that time of year. So right now in California where I am, um, you know, we're kind of having the changing of the season, and so we have a lot of peppers around, a little bit of tomatoes, eggplant. But, you know, we're kind of moving into winter squash and more greens and whatever it is, and I'm not sure what's in New York right now, but sometimes it's kind of similar. And yeah, it sounds so I pretty think- similar from the farmer's market last weekend. Absolutely. So if people, I think that's one of the keys. And I tell people, your food is never going to taste better than what you started with. So I, I used this line recently, last week actually, I was speaking, and I said, if you get Costco food, you're going to get Costco food, which doesn't mean it's bad, but it's not going to be the same as if you were able to get to the farmer's market or even better, grow your own. And so the fresher and more vibrant the vegetables, the better they're going to taste. Of course, if you must you know, have Costco baby kale in a bag because that's the way it's going to get in your mouth, fine. But, you know, having just like plain steamed kale isn't going to do it for most people. So maybe, you know, a little saute with olive oil or if you don't use olive oil, you know, just a little saute in a pan with a little vegetable broth and some garlic or some kind of nice little spice on it or cut it up and make a raw kale salad or whatever it might be. That sounds really good. It's got to taste good, or, you know, people don't want to eat food that doesn't taste good. Most people. 
Yeah, what, what you got kale still in your garden, dear? Oh, yeah, we have tons of kale. What have you been doing with it? Uh, mostly making salads, but also uh, I, I saute it, I uh, shred it up and throw it into pasta, and a lot of it goes into my dog's food because kale is good for dogs, too. Well, they deserve the best. Now, let me ask a really naive question, Jill. You wouldn't put that in a pressure cooker, right, or would you? Kale? Yeah. I absolutely would. Any greens in the pressure cooker, they take two minutes under pressure. They come out incredibly delicious. Wow. So it was almost like the microwave of the 50s, but better than a microwave. Or is it better? What's your feeling on microwaves? Well, you know, it's absolutely better than the microwave because the microwave doesn't cook food, but the pressure cooker actually cooks food. And, um, you know, I think what the microwave does is just make food taste blah, except for maybe potatoes. Um, But the pressure cooker actually, like if I I make vegetable broth in my pressure cooker, it takes five minutes at pressure. I do that weekly. And then when I cook my kale, I might put in a little bit of vegetable broth, just enough to get the pot to pressure, and the flavor of the broth gets infused into the greens. Hmm. And what does a pressure cooker cost? They range anywhere from about $50 up to maybe $300, but the general range is going to be somewhere around 75 to 150 And are the higher-priced ones necessarily better or easier to use? No. They're, they all pretty much do the same thing. A lot of the differences um, between them have to do with styling or, like, maybe some of them come with a steaming rack, some of them don't, some of them have a glass lid with them, some of them don't. But, you know, just a basic one that you could get is going to – you can buy them at, like, Bed Bath & Beyond and Macy's or my website, which I cannot compete with them. Costco has them. You know, you're going to be able to get a, a decent one for, you know, $75 to $100. Okay, well, let's give your websites for people who want to find out more about the work of Jill Nessanow. She actually has a couple of them. The first one is theveggiequeen.com, and that's veggie, V-E-G-G-I-E, theveggiequeen.com, and also pressurecookingonline.com. And you can also follow Jill on Twitter or Facebook at theveggiequeen. Love that veggie queen thing. Why do you call yourself that? Or why did somebody call you that? Well, you know, I, you, Victoria, you're one of the only people who has said my last name right. And I thank you for that. You're um, welcome. I have a hard last name, and I've known people here where I live for 20 years who still can't get it right. So I was teaching at a cooking school, and one of the people went to introduce me, and she said, here's our resident veggie queen. And I went, ding, there we go. That'll be really easy. And so everybody can remember that. Um, the other thing is that, you know, I used to watch that show, Queen for a Day. So oh, I kind of loved that. And I was like, oh, I could be queen every day. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. I love it. There is something about names. We just got our trademark for Main Street Vegan. So we're now Main Street Vegan with that little R, like, Nobody else can be Main Street vegan, and there's there's just something to it. I'm liking it. So yeah, I well to the that. Queen. <laughs> yeah, and I think the whole thing is, you know, kind of like it gives you a, a, you know, you get to have another role, which I really like. 
that's that's nice. So so check out Jill at theveggiequeen.com. And also, if you'd like your free copy of the new fast food, give us a call, 888-558-6489. So what do you like to cook and eat? What are your favorite go-to foods? Well, I like, um, I make brown rice quite a bit, and I also love quinoa. So I always wait, make... Again, pressure cooker or no? Pressure cooker, yes. Wow. Pressure cooker, yes, for both of them, because you cut the cooking time at least in half. Like quinoa in the pressure cooker takes five minutes at pressure, and brown rice takes about 20 minutes at pressure. And so I now, I what always, does at pressure mean? So here's how it works. You put the, like, I put in one cup of brown rice and one and a half cups of liquid. And I put the lid on and I block it. And then what I would do is turn the heat up to high and the water or the broth or whatever I have in there starts boiling. And when there's steam enough to raise the little valve, the the button pops up. And when the button gets there, then I turn the timer to, like, 20 minutes. When the timer goes off, I move the pot off the heat, and then there's this thing called a natural pressure release. And what that is is I wait for the button to drop so I can open the pressure cooker. And during that time, it's still cooking, but I'm not having to use any fuel. And and I just want to add the other reason I love the pressure cooker is because it's really energy efficient. So 20 minutes at pressure, that's what that is. It takes a little time to come to pressure and a little time to drop. So it's going to, you know, it's still going to, you know, I haven't actually timed it, but I'm going to guess if you're just cooking one cup of rice, maybe it takes three minutes to, you know, get to pressure or five minutes to get to pressure, probably another five minutes to come down. So you have really tasty brown rice in 30 minutes. That might be worth learning. You think it, dear? I should try that because uh, my crock pot is always making dog food. <laughs> and I never oh, get well, to use it for us because there's just always dog food in there. So maybe I should get a pressure cooker and do it faster. Well, I have to tell you, my, my, my late dog, I cooked for him the last 10 months of his life. And I used my pressure cooker to make all his food. Oh, um, sweet. Which, which he loved. Yeah, oh, bless loved you. That. Well, Jill, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you and get our audience acquainted and our hosts acquainted with pressure cooking. This is Jill Nussenau, RD. You can check her out at theveggiequeen.com or at pressurecookingonline.com. She's on Facebook and Twitter as The Veggie Queen. And if you want a copy of the new fast food, her latest book, give us a call, 888 558 Thank you so very much, Jill. What are you making for dinner tonight, real quick? Um, I think I'm going to make sweet potato and black bean chili mm. in the pressure cooker. <laughs> oh, boy. That sounds really, really good. You have a lucky husband. We were talking a minute ago about marriages when the husband is not all the way vegan, and that's your case, right? You've done well with that. I have done pretty well with that, and we do have that worked out. So It's a um, beautiful thing. It's a wonderful thing. And, you know, he just keeps moving more and more veg because he likes what I cook. Yummy. Thank you so much. Jill Nussanow, theveggiequeen.com. And we'll be back right after these messages. Thank you. Bye, Jill. Bye. What if you could experience vibrant health? 
help heal the planet. And be a great friend to God's animal kingdom through simple choices you make at breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Authors Victoria and Adair Moran say you can do this easily, affordably, and deliciously in their new book, Main Street Vegan. Everything you need to know to eat healthfully and live compassionately in a real world. Loaded with practical tips, straightforward information, and fabulous recipes, Main Street Vegan will help you on your journey toward a plant-based diet. The perks include more energy, an easy way to keep your weight where you want it, feeling younger as you grow older, and maybe even a boost to your spiritual life. Purchase Main Street Vegan from BN.com, Amazon.com, or your favorite bookseller. Transform that thought you've held in your mind into a reality in your life. How do you work in partnership with God to co-create the life that you've always imagined? One way is through the universe responding spiritual model for life. Each week, Valerie Crabtree will share how to use the universe responding elements and principles to co-create your life through continuous communication with your higher power. She'll answer your questions using this practical, understandable concept, and your life will change. Listen to Universe Responding on Monday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern, here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. For tuning in for Main Street Vegan. Here are your hosts, Victoria and Adair. Hey, everybody, welcome back. We're going from food to fitness. We're talking this segment with Wendy Siskin, who is a certified personal trainer, but she is also a vegan. I never thought I would ever say vegan and personal trainer in the same sentence. Wendy has over 10 years of, as a, a clinical fitness trainer. She's also a lifestyle coach with 15 years competitive experience as an athlete. She swam for Louisiana State University. She has a degree in kinesiology. She now lives in New York City where she is tackling childhood obesity with her work with wellness in the schools and other venues. Now, I just, before you come on, Wendy, i got to tell my little Wendy story. When, when um, I was looking for a trainer, I talked to the manager at my gym, and he recommended this woman, and I went online to look for her, and I, I found you on Facebook, and I saw this absolutely buff woman with all this six-pack, and I was just outraged. I thought, I want somebody nice and kind and understanding. Nobody with all those muscles could possibly be nice. And so I carried my computer into my husband and I said, look, look at this woman that this man thinks that I would want to work with. And he is looking at at Wendy in your gorgeous picture and he's saying, well, all I can say is if you work with her, I want to watch. But (laughs) long and short of it, we did start working together. and, And I can attest that you can have lots of muscles and still be really, really nice. 
So bless you, Wendy Siskin. Thanks for being on our show. Well, thank you very much. I'm lucky I'm I'm on radio because I I have a nice shade of red (laughs) going on here. But thank you very much for having me. I'm, I'm honored. Well, you're so welcome. And meet Adair, my daughter, who's also certified as a personal trainer. Hi. Hello, yeah. I've, heard, I've heard much about you. <laughs> yes, yes, well, working with the mom, you would. So, Wendy, <laughs> how'd you get to be a vegan in that industry of whey protein and beefsteak? Uh, well, it actually, it's, it's, it's quite a journey. I, I was not, I've only been vegan for about six years, uh, but it has changed my life all for the better. Um, I was an athlete, as you know, for, for most of my childhood and adolescence and I and I wish I would have known what I know now back then because I think I would have been even better um, but I really thought I was always very health conscious always was doing the right thing um, came from a very healthy family from what I knew it, you are always up on, on, on the latest uh, wellness um, you know every everything that would come out as far as vitamins and how you should be eating we were always trying to do everything right um, Unfortunately, my mother uh, got diagnosed with terminal cancer when I was 29, and it 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 changed my whole world. And it actually made me research uh, veganism for health reasons only. I started researching uh, cancer and 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 everything to do with cancer as far as nutrition. Now, I also have my my minor in in dietetics, so I really thought that I knew everything there was to know with nutrition. But when I started really researching uh, veganism and cancer, I really was doing it as uh, something to empower me to feel like I was going to prevent myself from getting cancer because my mom was my everything, and I and I just thought she was invincible, and I never thought out of you know she she would ever pass away from cancer. So uh, I was doing it for myself to just empower myself and make me feel not like helpless. Uh, so I actually started, it was going to be a six-month experiment. And um, six years later, <laughs> I don't want to ever go back. And it, I've learned so much throughout the whole journey. Well, that's a beautiful story. Did you run into any flack from your fitness and athletic colleagues? Um, at first, everyone made, you know, they, they make fun because they think that, so what are you going to have today, uh, a tree or what, what, do you, <laughs> what do you eat, vegetables? And everyone just thinks that all you eat is vegetables. But what's funny is I never really was a preacher. I never, I, I never grabbed onto it and said this is the way everyone should be because this is what I feel. Um, I just started doing it for me, and, and, and I was still very athletic. I was teaching a lot of kids' boot camps. I was doing a lot of activity, and I felt myself and my endurance and my performance and my recovery with everything. The more, the deeper I got into being a vegan, the better I felt as an athlete. And just that proof with in front of all my colleagues and in front of my clients and in front of all the kids, without me having to say anything, they wanted to know what I was doing. And when I just talk about it, I became so passionate about it because I felt so good that people just jumped on board. And uh, a lot of my friends have converted over to veganism, a lot of my clients. Um, I actually live in New York right now, and I, I am living with another trainer who is a guy who is who you've met. He's a very beefcake, very muscular, loves, loves um, bodybuilding. And uh, just living with me, he has now become three months into being vegan, and he loves it. So without me preaching. So it's, it's, it's very infectious, I feel. Wow. And he's got as much muscle as ever. <laughs> he sure does. <laughs> yeah. That's, and he that's, loves it. That's pretty cool. 
Well, one of the things that I run into with people who are vegan or who want to be vegan is that the, the exercise thing is often difficult. It's sort of like, oh, my gosh, I've got to do this, too. So motivate us. Motivate those of us who really don't want to get up and put on spandex. Why is it important <laughs> that working out be part of this? I mean, it's, it's, it is a uh, all-encompassing, uh, you know, way of life. I think once somebody feels, just as, just as once somebody feels what it feels like to be a vegan, it's uh, a whole new world opens up and a whole new energy is tapped into and, uh, and, and things that your body are, are capable of feeling, you start to feel that you never knew existed. I feel the same thing with, with exercise and blood flow and energy exertion and hormone release through exercise. Everything is connected. I think if you have the, the dietary support through having a, a beautifully healthy vegan diet and, and you, you accompany it with uh, training your mind, your body, and and and, and spirit, everything together, um, it is it's euphoric. And and once you tap into that, and once you feel it, uh, you'll never want to go back. Just like I'll never want to go back to ever not being vegan. Uh, it's just something I never was expecting. I was one of those people who lived for food. Who said every every memory in my life revolves around food. I, I love food. I love everything. I don't want to ever neglect myself of anything. That's how I went into being vegan. So it, it was really just gonna. I never thought that it would stick. And and the fact that you're able to do all of that and still be vegan, when people start to feel what it's like to do that with fitness and understand what happens to your body and what happens to your mind and what happens to your body, not just in exercise, but in every day because of exercise, you're, you're, you'll get stuck. And you'll, you'll, once you feel that, you'll never go back. I what do you think that the, uh, the big protein craze, because it seems like so many fitness professionals are, you know, eating nothing but muscle milk and egg whites. Right. Why do you think people are so obsessed with this when it comes to fitness? I, I think that, that, the 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 I think we're brainwashed as as a whole as as how much protein we actually really need, and 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 a lot of people think that the only place that we can get that protein is through animal. Um, but now, I mean, this this day and age, like right now, I'm, I'm there's so many now that I'm in the industry. It's amazing to see how many companies are coming out now, like Vega, and 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 so many vegan protein lines are coming out. Uh, to show how many other places that you can get protein. And it's really um, not just whey or, or animal. Like whey is, is, is a derivative of, of dairy. And a lot of people don't know that either. A lot of people are, 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 want to be vegan, yet they'll still eat whey protein. But it's, I think it's just a misconception, number one, of how much protein we actually need to build muscle. And number two is of where we can actually get it. If most people knew that we can get a lot of our protein just from our greens, uh, which I, I say that to people and say spinach has has an incredible amount of protein. They're like, really? Um, so, I mean, just just the awareness and 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 knowing where all these protein sources are, I think, is a huge is is a huge. Uh, it's it's coming out there more and more, and I think that's beautiful. Do you have a favorite uh, pre workout meal to give you that boost of energy? Do I have a favorite? Yeah. Um. 
I mean, I am a, I'm a big fan of, of quinoa. I have it in all sorts of ways. I'll make a quinoa salad, and I'll make a, a big Tupperware full of it in the fridge, and it'll last me all week. And I mix it with uh, kale, a sautéed kale, or raw kale. I'll make raw salads out of it and add quinoa, or I'll just eat quinoa and roasted vegetables uh, with a little bit of seitan. Um, but I'm always, I always have quinoa on hand, and I put it with everything. <laughs> So that's my favorite, my favorite go-to either snack or big meal, depending on how I make it. It makes a good hot cereal in the morning, too. I like to have quinoa that way. Yes, I actually had that at Whole Foods once. They had, they had a quinoa porridge, which was outstanding. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty tasty if you want a break from the oatmeal. Yeah, So, I agree. Wendy, I know that you have a huge passion about working with kids and getting the fitness ethic installed into kids when they're young which I can totally see because I didn't have it. Lord knows. I was an overweight kid. I hated exercising, and I have to psych myself up for it daily to this day. So what do you do with the kids, and how do any parents listening inspire their own kids to want to be active? Um. I, I do a lot of work with schools. Um, unfortunately, a lot of public schools uh, have cut PE or PE or the, or the funding that they have for PE teachers to actually get an actual curriculum in there for physical education, which is very sad. So my, my mission has really been to work with schools and get this uh, um, curriculum or some type of structure where they have an overall awareness of wellness within the schools so they're, they're able to make wiser decisions. I'm working with an organization now called Wellness in the Schools, and you could check them out, wellnessintheschools.org. Um, they are an incredible organization that has a, two programs, one called Cook for Kids and Coach for Kids. And that's where they, for the Coach for Kids is what we're doing is we're putting coaches like myself um, or into public schools within their recess time and actually putting a structured uh, play. And in the kids' eyes, they're playing. In the coaches' eyes, they're putting together a very strategic game that actually utilizes a lot of, uh, whether it's motor development or coordination or agility, and, 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 and connecting the mind and the body to the, to the activity. Oh, uh, so Wendy, that is, I hate to stop you. We're, we're coming up to our end, but that sounds wonderful and wonderful for adults to remember, too. Bring the body and the spirit and get moving. So, Wendy yes. Siskin, thank you so, so very much. I look forward to being inspired by you tomorrow. And <laughs> all the best. Thanks for being with us on Main Street Vegan. Thank you very much for having me. And bye, everybody. Be back with us at this time next week. We will have Dr. Michael Greger, MD. Check him out, nutritionfacts.org. God bless. All the best. Eat your veggies. Thank you for listening to Main Street Vegan. Join us every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Central Time as Victoria and Adair Moran entertain, educate, and inspire you on your vegan journey. This program is sponsored by Main Street Vegan. To learn more about Victoria and Adair or to explore training with Main Street Vegan Academy as a vegan lifestyle coach, go to www.mainstreetvegan.net. That's www.mainstreetvegan.net.
Are you ready for deeper spiritual breakthroughs? Have you wondered how to apply spiritual principles to your everyday life in practical ways? Do you feel your soul is calling you to deeper purposes? Join Reverend Galen McDowell live every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Central for Truth Transforms, a discussion on how God within you, as you, is the power to transform your life. If you really believe that consciousness determines your experiences and that you are an individualized expression of God, join us as we help awaken and transform the consciousness of humanity. We will discuss, through lecture, live interviews and call-in questions, spiritual healing, prayer, prosperity, forgiveness, new thought views about eternal life, and much more. The world is waiting for your truth transformation, only on Unity Online Radio. According to an ancient Hindu teaching... If you can only speak the truth and tell no lies for 12 consecutive years, you can attain enlightenment. Resolve to be honest with yourself and others starting today. And after 4,383 days, you just may become enlightened. This meditative moment from Reverend Joan Gattuso and Unity Magazine is brought to you by Unity. How's life working for you? Would it be okay with you if it got easier, simpler, yet more meaningful, more vibrant? Join Reverend Carla McClellan Tuesday afternoons for spiritual coaching, creating a vibrant life. Each week, Carla visits with leading-edge coaches as they explore the sacred purpose and stunning results of this exciting and emerging coaching model. Together, they reveal the secrets and successes of this transformational process. Call in and join the discussion as Carla creates a safe and sacred space to dialogue about real life and real world transformations. That's Spiritual Coaching, Living a Vibrant Life with Reverend Carla McClellan. Tuesdays at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern, right here on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. My mind and body are in an ongoing conversation. My body responds to my thoughts, and my mind continually receives messages from my body, especially when something is out of order. However, I am more than mind and body. I am created in the image and likeness of God. I am first and foremost spirit. As I bring my spiritual awareness into the conversation between mind and body, I keep myself in balance. I know my body and its needs. I nurture it with food and water, rest and exercise. I also send an affirmation of life and renewal to every cell of my being. With spirit-centered thoughts, words, and actions, I claim my true identity as a whole and healthy expression of God, mind, body, and spirit. Daily Word magazine is now available in a digital format. To learn how you can subscribe to this online interactive magazine, go to www.dailyword.com.
Hi, I'm Jane Asher, and I believe, and from what I've been shown, that when our loved ones die, they don't really leave. They just slip into the next room. On my podcast, I explore the bigger picture surrounding life on Earth and what follows when we do die. I speak with authors, friends, transition specialists, and other experts about every facet of death, dying, grief, hospice care, cultural traditions, and also our beliefs about that final journey and what we may end up facing. Please join me on the next room on the mindbodyspirit.fm podcast network or wherever you get your podcasts.